Can't you just use this recent photo? <sighs> All right. Here you go. Woohoo! Who's laughing now? <laughs> it shut up. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gardner goes right to King Flatsenville. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 72, actual episode 94, an episode I've titled simply, Old Man Yells at Cloud. And I think we've all seen the Grandpa Simpson gif, the Grandpa Simpson picture. Uh, we all know what that means. Generally, the old man yells at cloud concept is used by young people who don't fucking know better but before i do that if you're new to the show generally this is an uh, an autograph driven show is about what i was going to say an interview driven show i interview islanders organizational enforcers i do my best to bring you the backstory the uh, the stories behind the job the stories behind the player and uh, my goal in those interviews is to leave no unturned stones. As impossible as that may be, I think I do a pretty good job with that. So these solo episodes are pretty much just to get through the holidays. It's a busy time for everybody, including the guests. And um, I want to put something out as opposed to putting nothing out. But uh, if you are new to the show, thanks for checking me out. And uh, come the new year, there should hopefully be two voices on these recordings, one being a former pro hockey player, uh, former pro athlete, and uh, not just me. I understand nobody generally tunes in to hear my voice, and uh, nor do I blame them. But first things first, as always, if you're on social media, this show has social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you're on Twitter, please check out at Kali Sinbin Pod on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast, and on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. <coughs> oh, man, already. Hold on. Let me get a drink. Sorry about that. Okay, so check out those social media uh, accounts. Basically, what you'll find on there, 
uh, any show updates. Um, Islander organizational enforcer birthdays, for instance, today is uh, December 15th, and it's Conrad McKay's birthday. So as a, as an uh, Islander fan, strictly NHL fan, you might go, who's Conrad McKay? Conrad McKay is a very tough minor league player who spent three games with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. So I'd like to acknowledge those players. Happy birthday, Conrad McKay. If you notice the uh, episode poster that I put out, the uh, the little drawing, the graphic, you see, you've seen my logo. And that logo was drawn up by local Long Island artist Joe Marisich. Joe Marisich is available for hire. Please contact Joe Marisich at GraphicsJoker or at LoudEgg.com. Let him know that you heard about him on Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I don't think he'll give you any sort of break, but it's nice to know that he didn't draw that uh, logo in vain. I love the logo, and uh, I love using it in different situations. A few other podcasts I'd like to tell you about. Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My friend Darren. Um, Darren's up in Saskatoon. He is the original gangsta of the Enforcer podcast genre. He released his uh, Wednesday episode yet today today's wednesday holy shit folks i i just worked nine days in a row so my days are all screwed up so today's my first day off in nine days uh i was going to record last night but i had some stuff to take care of that uh was way more important than recording an episode so i'm recording today it's my first day off since working the nine days in a row so my days are all jumbled together so today is wednesday uh, Wednesday is when Darren released his episode and it was the top 10 all time enforcers. And, um, that was done as he collected votes from fans and, um, it was a very good episode. He turned me on to some Christmas music that I've never heard of. And I don't know if they're Canadian or not. Uh, somebody called Boney M never heard of it, but I did, uh, I did look them up on the YouTubes and, um, Got through maybe 15 seconds. Uh, it's it's not... Uh, I don't want to say... Listen, if you like it, that's great. Uh, but I will say it is better than um, my, of course, my least two favorite Christmas songs uh, that I mentioned a few episodes ago. Of course, the runner-up, the uh, George Michael or Wham! Last Christmas. the To me, the second worst Christmas song ever. Um, and then, of course, Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. And by the way, I neglected to include the Mariah Carey song, All I Want for Christmas. Um, it's not the worst song in the world. It's just overplayed. And, um, you know, it's I've heard it a million times already. So uh, so that would definitely be in the top three. Uh, but the top two are cemented. But Boney M, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I... Uh, I will admit I did not give it a long listen, so maybe I'm not the best judge, but uh, I never heard of them. I had never heard of them before today. So uh, so Darren mentioned uh, mentioned them today in his episode. Great episode. Check it out. Darren does two episodes a week on Sundays and Wednesdays. And um, check out his back catalog. Uh, great guest for sure. And uh, he always does a great job. He is... Uh, Darren, I promise you, I can promise you every week he uh, talks about my uh, my me working at Madison Square Garden and uh, how my show will eventually turn into a New York Rangers interview show. And um, as much as I like the guys who do the job and 
whether they're Rangers or not, I can promise this show will never turn into a Rangers uh, interview show. But, uh, but you know, and it's funny because they say never say never. Well, I can say never. This show will never be a Rangers enforcer program. Uh, not going to happen. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Fourth Line Voice Podcast. Check out his back catalog. Really, really great stuff. Um, almost every one of his guests is top notch or were top notch. Uh, I believe I've been on there twice. So that would uh, eliminate 100% of his guests. So Fourth Line Voice Podcast. Also on the YouTube's fourth line voice youtube channel over 2600 fights and now that darren has moved into his new house in uh the upscale section of uh saskatoon uh i'm expecting way more uploads of hockey fights because as we all know if you've ever watched a hockey fight on youtube chances are it was on the fourth line voice youtube channel so uh, definitely check out his show and that youtube channel alec olin salen down in Florida, uh, Darren, Darren says he's in Lando Lakes, but I don't think he is. I'm not sure. I, I don't know where he is down there. I know uh, I know he's down there somewhere close to where the Everblades play because he's diving headfirst into the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, Alec hasn't had an episode um, maybe in a week and a half or so. Uh, latest episode was a solo effort, uh, Are You Happy NHL? So, uh, so I would definitely... Um, Check out Alex's back catalog as well. Again, similar to Darren, um, really, really amazing guests and uh, some really good solo episodes. And the cool thing, like I always mention that Alec does, is he does some live episodes on the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. Uh, very interactive show with um, uh, people from the page. So um, so it's not just Alec uh, talking himself. He's answering questions. And then there are some times where he has a, uh, a guest on too. So um, that is something I I couldn't, uh, Jesus, it, it's probably very simple, but my old brain can't adapt to something like that. So um, check out the Five for Fighting podcast. Check out the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook as well. It is now time for the 2021-22 Islanders Fight Report. And I guess I can just call it the Islanders Fight Report because the New York Islanders are the New York Islanders and the Bridgeport Sound Tigers are now the Bridgeport Islanders. So I don't know. I'm still missing the Sound Tiger name and logo, um, you know, but they don't really care what I miss, what I think. Um, so it looks like I have no new entries for the Bridgeport side of things. The last entry was uh, Mike Cornell against Zach Dalpy of Charlotte. I, I don't believe I mentioned that one. I'm going to mention it anyway because I'm not sure and I love Mike Cornell. So in case I didn't mention it last time, which I believe I did uh, on December 5th, Mike Cornell is first regular season fight of the year against Zach Dalpy of Charlotte, who I know nothing about. Uh, now that I'm saying it, I think I did mention it. So, But uh, it doesn't hurt to mention it twice. Uh, Mike's a good dude, tough, hard-nosed player. He deserves the extra mention. Um, for the Islanders side of things, uh, Two new entries since the last time we spoke on December 9th. <clears throat> excuse me, Zdeno Chara tied Matt Martin for the team lead in majors this year with two, rematching uh, Yakov Trenin of Nashville. And um, first fight they had, I actually went back and watched it. Uh, Trenin dropped him with a pretty good punch. He didn't. He uh, he buckled him. He didn't drop him. Uh, definitely landed a good punch on Chara, uh, but uh, this time. 
Uh, Trennan is with Nashville, and Chara uh, fought him. And uh, two days later, Chara decided he wanted to take over the team lead by fighting uh, Mason Geertsen of New Jersey. You've heard me mention him before. He was the guy that was with the Rangers last season that I uh, really thought if they really wanted to make an impression after the whole Tom Wilson thing <clears throat> with um, Panarin, uh, it was Panarin, right? Not uh, Crapo Caco. Panarin, I think. Um, the whole thing with Wilson, um, they they had a guy in house, Mason, Mason Geertsen, who um, who they could have called up, and I'm sure he would have he would have uh, went after Wilson right away. But instead, they uh, uh, you know they Mickey Mouse it a little bit. But I guess in hindsight, it was the best thing for them. They ended up with Reeves and Tenorti and uh, Gerard Galantis coach. So I mean, you can't really argue with what what's happened this season, but last year it was still a little embarrassing that uh, they didn't even call up Geertsen. So uh, Chara fought Geertsen on December 11th, and that was Chara's third fight of the year. He now is the team leader in fighting majors for the New York Islanders. And um, not to be outdone, let me tell you about uh, the Riptide. Riptide had their first fight of the regular season. Uh, Jake Fox fought a gentleman named Robert Hudson of the Georgia Swarm. I am not going to pretend I know anything about the Georgia Swarm. I barely know uh, about the Riptide. I am doing my due diligence. There is a podcast out there. The name is escaping me at the moment, but I'm listening to all the old episodes uh, that had players that are still on the team. And uh, pretty good stuff. And I'm trying to do my best to learn. I did miss the last two games. I have one on the DVR and one I can watch on ESPN+. Plus or as I call it, the uh, American TSN uh, Plus. So I have to catch up with those games. But uh, but my uh, enthusiasm has not waned at all, which is why I'm adding the Riptide to the fight report. So uh, good on Jake Fox for uh, the first fight of the season for the Riptide. So as I said, the, uh, the title of this episode is Old Man Yells at Cloud. And um, my wife is fond of... Well, and my kids, they're fond of calling me the cranky old man. Uh, I get i get Boomer a lot. Um, you know, I get Walt Kowalski a lot. All that stuff is fine with me. Um, because as I try to tell people, I work with a lot of younger people, and um, they don't call me the cranky old man, at least not to my face. But if they did, that would be okay. Uh, people misconstrue the cranky old man as being cranky. And really, what we are are just guys who have been around long enough to see through all the bullshit thrown our way. So it comes across as cranky, but the reality is we just don't believe in the bullshit and we have no problem calling people out on it. And if that comes across as cranky, well, that's your problem. And by your, of course, I don't mean you, the listener. I mean that that sector of people who uh, insist on using the whole cranky old man thing. Then you always get the people who double down cranky old white man, because of course it, you know, everyone has to make it uh, racial, you know, race, race, race. Everything is racial now. Uh, so cranky old man is not good enough where they have to go cranky old white man. And of course, who says cranky old white man more than any other group, young white people, so lame, but that's okay. But call me cranky old man. I am completely fine with it. So 
this episode is uh, basically stuff that I have jotted down that has caught my attention. Now, the problem with doing a once a week show, or in this episode's case, once every nine or ten days, is that stuff gets old. So I'm going to talk about some things that are not even in the news cycle anymore. But um, it, I have I have to talk about it. Not that I have to talk about it, but I want to bring it up and. Um, so let's let's talk about a few things. And if and if uh, you've already, you know, your brain has moved on from these topics, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. But this is stuff that I've jotted down that I wanted to bring up. The first thing, uh, and and depending on where you live, you may have one of these in your town or your city. Uh, we definitely have it here in New York now. With COVID, uh, I missed out on it. The last, uh, I guess, is it two years or one year at least? But every December, there is a thing in New York City called SantaCon. And what it is, is young people get dressed up as Santa, as elves, uh, any number of Christmassy things, reindeer, I guess. But it's mostly Santa, and to be honest with you, uh, slutty elves. And they take the train early in the morning and head to New York City, and it's basically a pub crawl. Um, and they're the one of the most annoying fucking groups of people that you will ever encounter. Now, I am not against drinking. I have the odd beer every now and then. I, I've never been a huge drinker, but, uh, you know, I, I've always said there's certain moments in your life that you need to celebrate with a steak and a beer. And, uh, you know, there are times you need to unwind, you know, pour yourself, uh, you know, a scotch or a bourbon or beer or whatever, just, um, you know, whatever, just unwind with a drink. But I, I've never understood, and I never will understand, the whole thought process to looking forward to a day where your whole day is revolving around getting absolutely shit-hammered by one in the afternoon. and then. You have to get home. I don't understand it. And every year on the day of SantaCon, I forget that SantaCon is coming up. And when do I realize it? When I pull up to the train station and see these idiots on the platform. And then it's too late because, well, I can't take the day off now. And it's mind-boggling to me. So uh, here's the other thing. Most of these kids seem way too young to be drinking. Now, um, again, I'm not naive. I know that some people look young and they are 21. Um, but, I, you know, I saw a bunch of people this year. Mm, it was, uh, you know, come on now. I don't know how many of those IDs said McLovin, but... Uh, yeah, there is a lot of people that participated in this stupid SantaCon this year that were definitely underage. And now, here, here's the other thing. So, my my sons don't participate in this, and, you know, it, it is what it is, okay? Um, I, I guess my thing is, I have a niece, and she's 18, and she did not participate in this, and I'm very happy about that, because... We all want to say that men and women are equal. And yes, men and women are equal. And I'll be honest with you, I think women get the nod because women 
are the ones who keep this species alive. And if you have someone in your life, uh, if you have a wife or a girlfriend, even an ex-wife, that's, that's the mother of your children. If you've ever been in a room with a woman giving birth, uh, I don't think you could disagree with me. And I know that there's a certain segment of the ladies out there that, that dismissed the whole childbirthing thing. Like, Oh, that's cause that's what we're supposed to do. But it really is a magical thing. So when you see it happen, it's really just the most amazing thing you'll ever see. And whether you're the president of a company or a CEO, I don't really give a shit. Um, giving birth is the most magical thing a person could do. And men can't do it. So, yes, men and women are equal up until it comes time as far as uh, creating the species. Then women, of course, blow us away. But you know where men and women aren't equal? First of all, in the holding of alcohol the handling of alcohol. And then if, if I had a daughter and I know she's out there and she's getting drunk and she's getting hammered, uh, that's pretty terrifying to me because now she's out there with a group of guys and these are all young people and, you know, they're all horny and everything like that. Their inhibitions are low. Uh, yeah, it would make me nervous to have my daughter out there way more nervous uh, than having my son out there because you just don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know if that makes me sexist. Maybe some people would call me a misogynist because, hey, if a, if a dude can drink 24 beers, then sure, a lady can too. Well, okay. Uh, but as someone who uh, I would really worry about it if I had a daughter or if my niece were out there getting, getting absolutely blotto, um, around a bunch of guys that would, uh, that would really make me nervous. So, um, you know, like I said, I really, what I need to do really is, uh, put a note in my phone or set an alarm for like September and find out when SantaCon 2022 is and make sure that I am not in the city that day. And, um, you know, then basically, so they go in, they're all full of piss and vinegar and they all got their beer and they can't wait. And then really starting around two or three o'clock, some of them start making their way back to Penn Station and they're just groggy and drunk and some of them are fucking vomiting on each other and they got vomit on their little Santa suit and everything and they smell like shit and now they got to get back on the train. And there's a steady stream of these idiots on the train going back east for the whole day. So yeah, you know what? Fucking grow up. All right. I mean, really grow up. So here we go. So there it's, we're off to a good start. If you wanted the cranky old man thing, here we go. We're off to a good start. Um, I know it was uh, a few days ago, but I want to congratulate the New York Islanders for getting their first ever win at UBS arena, beating New Jersey. Yes. It seemed like it was never going to happen, but it did. Um, they've subsequently not won there since, but I think they've only played one game. I'm not sure. Um, again, the last, last week and a half is just a blur. Um, they lost in Detroit last night. So, uh, but congratulations to the Islanders first win at UBS, which today, of course, came out with this thing where now if you go to, um, UBS, uh, you have to wear a mask unless you are, um, uh, one, one year and 350 days old. I don't know. It's, it's two and up two and up. You need a mask now at UBS. And it's not even that 
Oh, well, unless you're eating or drinking, then you don't need a mask. So, um, as you may imagine, a lot of people on social media are not happy with this. A lot of people on social media are protesting this. And uh, a lot of people are saying they're not going to do it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. I honestly think this is a cover your ass type thing for UBS and you know, similar to when UBS put signs out saying that there's no honking allowed in the parking lot uh, and there's no tailgating allowed in the parking lot. Uh, because how do you police that? It's, I mean, the tailgating you could police, I guess, technically, if you want to go and bust people's balls uh, after they're set up, you could go and I, I don't know. But I mean, the honking, what are you going to do? Have people stationed every five feet and the minute someone honks, you're going to throw a ticket on their car. Like, it's just... They put signs up. It's cover your ass. And uh, that, I think, is what they're doing with this mask thing. They're trying to cover their ass because uh, I don't exactly know how you exactly enforce that. But, you know, hey, uh, I've already made my made my feelings known on this and the vaccine. And, um, you know, the, the goalposts, they keep moving it, uh, you know, 10 days turned into two years. And, uh, you know, it's just... Um, I don't know. I'm fully vaccinated. Not that I want it to be, but I am. And it used to be where if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need a mask. Now you need a mask. It's just, you know, uh, what do the kids call it? Sus or sketch? Uh, I don't know. But um, uh, it'll be interesting to see see how this is going forward. But, again, congratulations to the New York Islanders getting their first win at beautiful UBS Arena. Now, moving on. And again, this is where it comes in where you have a once a week show. And uh, this is old news already. Uh, but in a game that Toronto had with Winnipeg, Austin Matthews got thrown around, got ragdolled. Uh, fuck. Well, I don't know. This is just awful by me. Somebody on Winnipeg just ragdolled him. I don't know if he's trying to get him to fight, but uh, Matthews wanted no part of it. And he wanted to, I guess, draw a penalty. And uh, Leafs Nation was very, very upset because apparently Austin Matthews hasn't drawn a single penalty this year. So, of course, of course, the officials are against the Leafs. Of course, the officials are against Austin Matthews. Boo-hoo-hoo, Austin Matthews, blah, blah, blah. The funny thing about Austin Matthews, now Leafs fans will be the first ones to tell you how classless Islanders fans are because they still boo John Tavares. It's going to be interesting when Matthews becomes a free agent, if he does go home to Arizona, how the Leafs, Leafs nation is going to react when Austin Matthews comes back. It's going to be interesting because, you know, they're not going to be happy. Uh, and also the way that, that, that John left here. And again, I, I don't hold him hundred percent culpable. I think Garth Snow is just as much to blame. Um, talked about it on, on the DeFazio interview. Um, but you know, that was really that, that whole way that John left was fucked up. Uh, you know, and again, not just him, uh, but Matthews, everyone keeps saying, oh, he's going to go home to Arizona. And I hope he does. If they still have a team there, if they pay their bills, um, it'll be interesting to see how Leafs fans react. But anyway, so Matthews. Leafs fans are going nuts. You know, Austin Matthews, this is this. And people, of course, 
because the Leafs fans are so fucking annoying. So people were ready to take shots at them and Matthews and everything. And it's funny because Leafs fans will talk about, you know, anything they want until it's, and I mean, I guess it's, maybe it's not just, it's not Leafs fans. Maybe they're just their number. Their numbers are so big that it just feels that way. So this is the woe is me, Austin Matthews. This is bullshit. Austin Matthews doesn't get calls. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. This is bullshit. The league hates us, whatever. Austin Matthews is the victim here. But if you remember, if you remember in 2019, Austin Matthews was ruthless and Austin Matthews was savage. And what a burn he put on Scott Sabrin when him and Matthews were kind of tied up and Austin Matthews made a motion to look at the back of Sabrin's jersey because he didn't know who Sabrin was. So that was a sick burn by Austin Matthews. And that was roundly applauded by the blue and white. That was fucking hilarious. What? Wow, that was fucking great. Austin Matthews is savage. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was disrespectful, I think. You know, Austin Matthews is blessed with a lot of ability, and not everybody has his ability. Um, you know, but you're you're playing in a league now with the guys who have worked very hard to get there, and, and you want to be disrespectful to Saber, and that's fine. But then when you get tossed around like a rag doll, oh, Leafs fans can't take that. And there was one guy, because, you know, people retweet stuff and everything. One guy actually tweeted something to the effect of, for those of you making fun of Austin Matthews, uh, Austin Matthews would beat the brakes off you and your dad. Well, okay, let's address that for a second. Um, my dad is, ooh, let's see, he is uh, 73. 72, 73 years old. Matthews probably could take him. I mean, my dad is a, he's a Vietnam vet. He's seen a lot of shit. Uh, he's, he's dealt with worse than Austin Matthews. I can promise you that. But again, he is in his seventies. So Austin Matthews probably could do pretty well against my dad. Now me, I'm uh, I'm 51. Uh, I don't have the wind that I used to. I definitely don't have the wind that Austin Matthews has. But again, I, I've been through worse than Austin Matthews and just seeing the way that he got ragdolled, I don't know. I, I would still take my chances, but who I mean, listen, the guy's a professional athlete. You know, I don't know. And 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 the thing is you don't know what how people can fight. I mean, again, you know, appearances aren't everything. People might see Roy Nelson walk down the street and just be like, Oh my god, look at that guy, whatever. And Roy Nelson is tougher than ninety nine percent of the population. And will wipe the floor with 99% of the population. Or, you know, look at 135-pounder. Oh, that guy's small, whatever. And again, a 135-pounder that's a, a professional fighter is going to beat the shit out of most anybody, even though he's only 135 pounds. So I don't know what kind of background Austin Matthews has. So for me, for to say that he would beat the brakes off me, mm, I don't know, maybe. It's possible. It's, he might wipe the floor with me. I don't know. But the fact that a grown adult was so bent out of shape by the criticism that Austin Matthews was receiving that he actually put on Twitter 
Austin Matthews would beat the brakes off you and your dad, that's embarrassing. I mean, it really is. Like, I don't know. And and again, an adult tweeted that. It was, uh, I don't remember who it was. It, it showed up in my timeline. It was, it was kind of embarrassing, but uh, so be it. Um, another thing I want to say, uh, Butch Goring. I was going to say get well, Butch Goring, and we hope to see you back soon. Um, the broadcast sorely misses Butch Goring. Uh, I will say it until I'm blue in the face. Um, NHL broadcasts need former NHL players as analysts. They do. And I'm sorry if some people are offended by that. But here's the thing. A broadcast is made up, the the booth is made up of two people mostly. The play-by-play person and the analyst person. And then occasionally you have someone on ice side. Now, this is my opinion. So if you don't agree with me, fine, fine. The purpose of an analyst is to give analysis of the game. And if I'm watching an NHL game, I want analysis from an NHL player, a former NHL player who has been through the wars, has been through... All the stuff an NHL player goes through, the travel, the locker room stuff, road trips, which I guess would also be under travel, um, the NHL coaches, because nobody can give you analysis of the NHL and of a game and of the NHL experience quite like someone who's been there. I certainly couldn't give you that analysis because I've never played in the NHL. So I'm not I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I'm not saying I can do it. I can tell you what I think, but it's not coming from a place of personal experience. So and I know Butch gets a little goofy at times and uh, it's sort of like I, I equate it to uh, people who are old enough to remember uh, Phil Rizzuto doing the Yankee games. Uh, he was a character and he was great, you know. Did he give you a spot-on analysis all the time? No. And did and was he a bit of a Yankee homer? Well, I think that goes without saying. But he played for the Yankees. He played Major League Baseball. Butch Goring is a four-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, there's nobody... All the other people they've put in that uh, role this year... Well, lately, uh, a few games, we got Joe Micheletti, another former NHL player, which I think is great. So, say what you want about me. It's fine. As far as analysis and analysts. I want former NHL players to do that. And when I watch a football game, I want former NFL players to do the analysis now. And if at all possible, I'd really like it to be a a former player for the team. So in other words, Butch Goring, former Islander does the Islander games. Joe Micheletti, I think is great. I know Islander fans don't want to hear that, but he used to do the Islander games. I think Joe Micheletti is a really smart guy. Never played for the Islanders, but former NHL player. Fine. Okay. Um, even the on ice, uh, people, the uh, people in the, in between the penalty boxes, well, they've never been on the ice during an NHL game. They've never been on an NHL bench. I want a person who has done it to speak from experience and tell me what's going on. That's what I want. I don't think that's too fucking much to ask. And again, like I've said before, because right away I'll be called a misogynist or something like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with what I want. 
And I don't care who does play-by-play because play-by-play is done mostly by people like you and I who didn't play the game but went to school for communications, went to school for broadcasting, and paid their dues. I don't care. You can have a watermelon do the do the uh, play-by-play. You can have a bar of soap do the play-by-play. I don't care. As long as they've put in the time, I don't care who does the play-by-play. I don't. I really, I'm more focused on the analysis. Um, so if you think I'm a misogynist, so be it. I think that really says more about you than me, because what it means is you're not listening to my reasoning. Uh, but welcome back, Butch Goring, because uh, I believe it was tweeted out today that uh, he will be returning to the booth tomorrow. And also welcome to the MSG Islander broadcast team, Anson Carter. Um, Anson Carter, NHL veteran. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was in the interview I did with Graham Townsend or the interview I did with Kevin Kaminsky. I can't remember, but I, I, I tell them I'll never forget the first time I saw Anson Carter play live and just watching that dude skate. It was literally like his blades were not touching the ice. Just an unbelievable skater. Really, really talented hockey player. He's really good on TV, really good on the mic. And uh, having another former NHLer on the team, it's fantastic. You can never have enough former NHL players doing analysis on an NHL game. You know, that's uh, that's my opinion. So, um, in case you haven't heard, the NHL has postponed some Calgary Flames games because the team had uh, six players. I think it was six players. If not, it was six total people uh, affiliated with the team that had COVID. So they postponed the games, which I think is a smart move. But it wasn't too long ago that another NHL team had eight guys out. And I think it was eight players and three staff members that had COVID. And they made them play a lot of games before they started postponing those games. Who was that? Who was that? Oh, right. That was the Islanders. Now, I am not... Listen, there are a lot of opinions on Facebook and uh, and Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you know, every fan base thinks that the league has it in for their team. I don't think that. I, I don't. I don't think that. And maybe shame on me that I don't think that. Maybe the league learned from their total mishandling of the Islanders in dealing with the Flames now. Because maybe they said, hey, look at how we fucked this shit up royally. Let's not do it again. And if that's the case, well, then good on them. But it did seem pretty ironic that um, they postponed the games for Calgary and um, after the whole fuck up with the Islanders. So it's just a little weird. But again, I don't. The league does not have it in for the Islanders. And again, if, if you're an Islander fan that feels that way, maybe you're telling me to shut the fuck up. But. It's true. Uh, I, I, I just can't see the league going, yeah, we're going to screw the Islanders. So, um, But we're going to worry about Calgary. Um, Matt Barzal in COVID protocol. He now will miss uh, nine more days and four more games. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a key piece to miss. I, I think, uh, uh, I mean, right now I would say that the two most indispensable pieces on this team are Ilya Sorokin, uh, who – is playing his bag off every night. This kid is unbelievable. And, and uh, you know, he, to me, is the most irreplaceable player right now. 
uh, and Anders Lee. I mean, those are the two guys uh, that I don't want to, uh, I don't want to lose for an extended period of time. I don't want to lose Barzal either. Um, but, um, you know, as far as Barzal, uh, I don't know if he's asymptomatic or not. And as far as the people associated with um, Calgary, uh, I just hope everyone gets well soon and uh, feels better. And let's get uh, let's get the league going. But it all it all kind of leads into what I was saying. I believe it was last week about this bullshit with the Olympics. So I think they the NHL has come under some fire lately about uh, sending the players to the Olympics. And I said. Fuck the Olympics. Um, you know, it, the sending the players to fucking China, where this all started, by the way, I know that I don't think I don't think you're supposed to say that because you'll hurt people's feelings. But everything started somewhere and COVID started in China. So it would kind of be like, uh, let's see, what if the Olympics, why don't we send players to Chernobyl? After that fucking disaster, let oh the Olympics, the Olympics, yeah they're in Russia, but they built a rink near Chernobyl, so we're just gonna send the players to Chernobyl uh, and hope for the best. Why don't we do that? You know, or Three Mile Island or or whatever. Name any fucking catastrophe, and let's send our players there. Um, the players now now the NHL has left it up to the players, and again. I kind of think that's a cover your ass thing. Have some fucking balls and say, no, we're not sending our players there. Because then, hey, if player A says, I'm not going there, well, then the NHL is going to go, well, he decided not to go. We left it up to the players. And then if player B says, well, I am going to go, and now he goes, gets sick, and who knows to what level up to and including death – well, hey, we let it left it up to the players. He didn't have to go. It was his decision. Now, is that a pretty extreme circumstance? Absolutely. But you never know. Sending these guys to the eye of the fucking storm was a fucking recipe for disaster right from the beginning. And if someone like me can see that, there are a lot smarter people on the planet than I am. I don't know why I have to be the guy. And, of course, there are many, many others that share my opinion. Just fucking end the dance and say we're not sending our players to China. We're not. That's it. Just fucking grow a pair and say we're not doing it. Don't leave it up to the players. Don't. I mean, it. it it's... I don't know. You know what? It's just so fucking stupid. And now... Islanders had games postponed. Uh, Calgary's having games postponed. You literally have a three-week window in February to reschedule these games. It writes itself. Come on, Gary. It writes itself. Fix this shit. Because you know now, of course, well, I guess I should qualify it by saying that the powers that be say, if you're fully vaccinated and you're careful, then maybe you can get together over the Christmas holidays. Um, yeah. So people are going to get together over the Christmas holidays. There's always a spike in cases after Thanksgiving. There's always a spike in cases after Christmas. So, you know, people are going to get together after that. Um, now you want to, <laughs> this is just families getting together, but now you want to send 
players to the eye of the storm. So let's let's cut the shit. Okay, let's uh, let's let's stop stop with the Olympic dream, please. And again, I know the more people I hear, it seems like it's the younger people who love the NHL players going to the Olympics where I, I just, uh, to me, I'll never forget 1980 when it was the amateurs that, that beat everybody. And to me, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I always love when, uh, when the U S wins gold, but, and it's great. It just means our pros are better than their pros. It just means to me, it's more special. It's more special. Is that, I don't know. I think it's correct, but it just doesn't sound right. Um, when it's amateurs, but who the hell knows? I mean, I don't know why any of our athletes would want to go to China. I, I, I don't get it. I do, and I, listen, there are people that work their whole life in particular if to get to that Olympic dream. And so I understand that if you've worked your whole life for it. And for some Olympians, it's the only chance they're ever going to get. For some, it's the last chance. I I completely understand it. But all we're hearing about is how, how serious this is and people have died. Why would you take that chance? I don't know. I just think, cut the shit. Let's end the dance here. The last thing I want to talk about, well, no, there's two more things I want to talk about. Um, hitting. Hitting is uh, a big topic right now. And um, I think it was spurred on by the modern day Scott Stevens, Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba, he's a menace out there. What what a mean guy. What a what a meanie. I mean, Jacob Truba laying guys out left and right. That's not nice. That's a, he's a predator out there. These guys skate around with their head down and uh and he's he's putting them out. What what a, I mean, uh, what a bad boy Jacob Truba is. And Twitter will let you know. And uh I'm sure the DOP has a, or DOPS, the DOPS have been tagged numerous times because of this menace. The modern day Scott Stevens, Jacob Truba. He's a big meanie. Get him out of the game. So Jacob Truba has been smoking guys left and right. The thing you need to remember is all the hits were clean. Textbook clean hits. Okay. But now what happens is now hitting is coming under fire from the hockey woke crowd. It's not bad enough that they've whined fighting for the most part out of the game. Now they have a new target in their sight, and that's hitting. Okay? And again, to make it very clear, it's a vocal minority of people. It's people that that are a mere fraction of the people on the planet that are whining about hitting. It's just a fact. There is a fraction of the, of human, the human race on Twitter, and it's a fraction of people on social media who are now whining about hitting. Okay. Oh, where do I begin? This is what happens when people make concessions and capitulate and bend when the squeaky wheel wants to grease. People bitched and moaned about fighting, and now what happens? Now there's all these rules at the junior level, a three-fight rule, a ten-fight rule in the coast, 
all these rules to get fighting out of the game. Because people, again, small percentage, well, you know, we need to get fighting out of the game. It's not really nice. It's not. If this was done on the street, they'd be in jail. I don't understand it. I don't understand. And mostly, again, by people who've never been in a team environment. So be it. But this is what happens. The sport gave in to these people. So now what's next? Well, the next logical thing is hitting. Someone sent me a tweet the other day, and I have a copy of it right here. And I'm not going to give the person's name. The tweet said, twice in the past week, we've seen clean hits, in quotes, lead to players taken off on stretchers. If a clean hit, again in quotes, can result in that, then the NHL needs to adjust what the definition of a clean hit is. This person obviously is not happy with clean hits. And then the uh, tweet after that says, the replies are rather, and this is the same person, the replies are rather informative, just filled with misogyny. To the people who disagree, what's wrong with the IIHF rule where head contact is a penalty? It's still great hockey and much less dangerous. That's the rule change I want. So what the league should do is just, again, capitulate to this lady who obviously doesn't like hitting um, or feels it's too dangerous. And again, what is the fail safe from this woke bunch? What are the trigger words to the woke bunch that gets attention. Here we go. The replies are rather informative, just filled with misogyny. So there you go. So it's not bad enough that society itself, now you see that word misogyny, misogynist all the time now. The war on masculinity continues. You see that word all the time. Now it's seeping into sports. Because if somebody has an opinion that you don't agree with, you're a misogynist. If you like physical hockey, you're obviously a misogynist. I mean, how could you not be? I mean, that's the only conclusion that can be drawn here, that you're a misogynist. If you don't agree with the author, you're a misogynist. I mean, there's no other way about it. But again, it's these words that they love to use because then what happens is people will search for words like that. And all of a sudden now, well, now you're a misogynist. So now there's obviously a cause. Now we got to, we got to get, we got to do this. Hey, we, we stomped our feet long and hard and we got fighting out of the game. Let's do this now and let's get hitting out of the game because hitting is bad. Hitting is bad. What we should do is do what they do in flag football. So everyone should wear a flag and then take the flag off. And that counts as a hit. Why not? I mean, it's the same thing. These people are not going to be happy until the sport is completely unwatchable. It's pretty unwatchable now. And again, this must be me, the cranky old white man who's complaining about this. It's got to be me, right? I have to be wrong because I'm not woke. But uh, yeah, so hitting is bad. Jacob Truba, all he did by playing a solid defensive style is wake up the wokesters. And now... They're going after hitting. 
So good luck to those of us who actually like the little physicality that is left in the sport. Now, finally, let me uh, bring up something else. Again, it's it goes along the line with the Wokesters. Uh, again, if, if you don't agree with them, you're wrong. But uh, John Tortorella, who I am, you know, I am back and forth on this guy. Um, John, I like a lot of the things that he does. I can appreciate a lot of the things that he does. Uh, I don't like a lot of the things that he does um, procedurally. Uh, when he's running a team, uh, it's just not for me. I, I think it's a control thing. So be it. But John Tortorella was asked this week about uh, the Trevor Zegras Michigan goal. And um, this is what he had to say about that. This is the goal that everyone is talking about. Of course, it will be one of the goal of the year candidates, if not already securing its spot as the goal of the year. Trevor Zegers behind the net. Uh, what some people are calling the Dishigan, by the way, passing it in front of the net, Michigan lacrosse style. And Sonny Milano there with the hand-eye coordination scoring. Okay, so the first thing I thought of when I saw that goal, Mr. John Tortorella, was what does Coach Torts think of this goal? I really want to hear your opinion here. <laughs> it's tremendously skilled. For Sonny Milano even to yell Michigan in the middle of a play uh, in a game is, is skill. I'm not trying to be a fool here, but I'm just not so sure it's great for the game. If you did that back in the 2000, late 90s, 2000, you get your head taken off. Uh, it's, it, it's cool, you know, it's cool to watch and all that, but I'm not so sure it's good for the game. And, and I stand by that. 50 million views is a lot to see it online. Well, it's not even, it's, it's the goal is amazing, right? I mean, you said the fact that they've actually said that, like I have, you know, kids in that coach in high school that, that they want me to drop plays off the faceoff so they can try to score a goal like that, to score the Michigan goal. But for him to be a rookie, to try to actually try that in a game as a rookie, yeah. I would, yeah. you would never even thought about doing something like that. What would you have said if they, if they were on your team and they did that? I'd have a talk with the people, I would, uh, after the game. I, and again, I'm not trying to be difficult about it. I, it's fun to watch. It's really cool. But I, I just think we, I think our game has gone so far away from what, what the game should be. Uh, a hard game, uh, an honest game. It's almost gotten too, it's too showman. I, I know you need to have it. I, you need to sell the game. But I'm just, you know, I'm from the ilk of it's still a hard game to play and, and a good, honest hockey game needs to be played. I think some of this stuff here, we get carried away. But that's good for the game, though. The fact that it's been viewed that many times. Yeah. The fan that we're trying to attract y yes. is the casual fan. But I fan. think you're losing fans, too. I think you're losing other fans also when you're attracting others towards this stuff. What exactly did he say that was wrong? Seriously, what did he say that was wrong? Now, the goal was an amazing highlight, which he absolutely acknowledges. And trust me, I, again, I go back and forth on Tortorella, so um, I'm not a Tortorella sympathizer. I'm not a Tortorella apologist because he does certain things, says certain things that, that annoys me. Um, but the backlash that this guy took from the Wokesters is is just mind-boggling. So he acknowledges the talent that it took to score this goal. He acknowledges the creativity, and he acknowledges just how amazing a highlight it was. But 
from a guy like this who's been through the wars, he's been a coach, he knows old school hockey, and, and it's not even old school 70s. I mean, this is a guy that coached in the 2000s. All he's saying is that if you did that during his time, there might be repercussions. And and what is wrong with that? I saw people say, this is why John Tortorella will never get a job again. He doesn't, um, what it doesn't, not associate, he doesn't relate. He doesn't relate to the younger players. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. And you know who else doesn't know if that's true or not? The, the people who said that. You're not in the locker room with him. You don't know uh, the relationship he has with younger players. All he's really trying to say is that he doesn't know if it's good for the game. Because John Tortorella was raised during a time where not everything was a quick hit highlight these kids these these players now the people that are commenting on this the teenagers the the gen zers these are people that were raised and the sports fans that were raised on espn highlights that love the quick hit highlights they don't really care about the actual game itself and the makeup of the game what they care about are the stats for the fantasy stuff and the highlights they don't really get the team oriented stuff. Now, this clip was played on ESPN. It was it was Tortorella, Rick DiPietro, and the host. Okay. And in my opinion, what Tortorella was basically saying about the highlight is it was a little too much mm, ESPN y, which is ironic based on the network he was on. That clip was the epitome of what these young people are raised on. They don't want to sit there and watch a whole game. A lot of them. I mean, listen, I, I again, I, just because I have to clarify because people will go, oh, I'm 16. I can watch a whole game. Yes, I get it. A lot of this generation, they don't want to sit and watch a complete game. Why do you think part of the reason why baseball, I don't want to say baseball is dying. I don't think baseball is ever going to die. But all of their numbers are down in that demographic because the game is too slow for a lot of the younger people. The game is too boring for me now. Analytics completely ruined it. But why young people, why baseball doesn't resonate with young people is it's too slow. And then they go and do stupid shit like, hey, extra innings, we're going to start with the runner on second. Hey, that's really interesting. But this is what I'm talking about. This is the generation raised on ESPN and raised on apps where they don't have to watch the whole game. They just want to watch the highlights. People that are loving that highlight, younger people that are loving that highlight, couldn't tell you anything else that happened in that game. Because a lot of people didn't watch the game. They saw the highlight. And then here's John Tortorella, again, an old white man, because, of course, again, we have to bring race into everything. Well, he doesn't like fun. John Tortorella doesn't like fun. He's a cranky old man, and he doesn't relate to the young players. All the guy did was give an opinion on something he was asked about. He was, and, and here's the thing. The guy says, when I saw this highlight, I said, I have to hear what John Tortorella thinks about it. Yeah, of course you do, because you knew he wasn't going to like it, or he was going to have something to say about it. He wasn't going to gush about it. So, of course, you wanted to hear what John Tortorella has to say about it. So it basically says it. And then the network that they work for, ESPN, is the biggest guilty party of the way this generation watches sports. 
They watch sports for the highlight. They watch highlights. They don't watch games. They watch highlights. They they look at stats because they care about their fantasy team. And they and it's like they all bet. They all bet. So they don't they don't care about the nooks and crannies of a game. They don't care about the nuts and bolts of a game or a team concept because they don't give a shit about the the third liners, the fourth liners, the the fifth and sixth defensemen, the role players. They don't care. They care about the fantasy players. They don't want to spend two and a half hours watching a game. They want to watch a minute and a half highlights and think they know everything. So, but again, these are the people that are criticizing Tortorella. And all the guy did, John Tortorella has more hockey experience, more NHL experience than every single person that criticized him on social media. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. But again, because John Tortorella is old school, well, now the game has to get rid of him. Meanwhile, you got people on, um, I think it was Bryce Davidson today, he replied to a, uh, and if it wasn't, I apologize, uh, posted a clip of some people that work for The Athletic talking about hitting. And uh, they were, I, I think, had they let the camera run a little bit longer, they were near tears. They were uh, so upset. But these are the people that we're going to listen to now when it comes to hockey. You gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. But again, why would they stop? All this game does is bend over and listen to these people. They don't give a shit about the fans they have already. All they're worried about are the new fans who don't appreciate what hockey is supposed to be. They just want the new fans who want it to be fucking milk. Milk toast. Hey, it's it's nothing. No hitting, no fighting, no life. Let's watch the IIHF. Because is there anything more exciting than watching, I don't know, oh, God, Finland play Kazakhstan in a game where no hits are thrown, no fights are happening. I mean, doesn't that just scream excitement? It screams excitement. Because, again, if you if you pay attention, the IIHF, I would imagine their most watched games, because I believe, and again, I believe that's the governing body of the Olympics. The games with the highest ratings, of course, would be U.S. and Canada, because they're the ones that the people are most interested in. But let's let's do everything like that. Let's have all international rules. Let's make the rinks the size of Lake Michigan. And let's put let's make the boards out of pillows, because we don't want anyone to get hurt in a collision sport. Why I, there's already a brand of hockey that's like that. It's called bubble hockey. Nobody gets hurt in bubble hockey, and it's just about as exciting as a lot of the games that people want to create now. Make the game of hockey now. Just watch bubble hockey. With that, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode of Old Man Yells at Cloud. Uh, I hope that uh, for those of you who voted in my poll, whether I should do it after a good night's sleep or do it uh, after nine straight days of work, um, hopefully this has uh, satisfied your bloodlust for angry me. And again, I, uh, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm just sick of the bullshit. So uh, I guess this is the funny part of the podcast where I tell you, hey, 
if you liked what you just listened to, please consider subscribing to the show. And if you have a moment, please like the show, rate the show, and review the show. It gives me greater visibility because why should you be the only one to enjoy this absolute train wreck of an episode when we can spread the word of this menagerie to everybody else out there? So um, if you don't mind doing that, that was great. And if you enjoyed the episode, uh, that's even better. Uh, I just had a lot of stuff I had to get off my chest, and um, I guess that's about it. So, um, as I always say when I sign off, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And to all you people out there, everybody, please stay safe.